Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. It is the Monday after Christmas, and in the middle of Denver, there is no snow. <laughs> There's nothing. It's like a, like a soft 50-something degrees right now. Really nice weather. Love it. Ah, uh, but no snow, which is fine. We'll expect it in the middle of March when uh, when we always get it, <laughs> get a huge blizzard. So I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday weekend. I spent time with family, uh, had fun, went to go see a couple of movies, The King's Man and Matrix Resurrections. Just had a you know, really great time not serving beer. <laughs> that's that's the greatest part of my holiday is, you know, getting time away from work and spending time with people that I that I really care about. As I may have mentioned in a previous recording, Steph is not in this episode. She is still working really hard on her show, but she will be back in the next episode. So, like always for the last few, you are stuck with me. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our guest on this episode. Somebody that I, a uh, new buddy of mine actually, uh, love her to death, she's so cool. Met her through my, my current employer, and she has just a plethora of stories of her career in LA. She currently lives, uh, you know, in Colorado and, and made a, a pretty big transition during COVID, but she's killing it. She is one of the uh, digital producers for Netflix's Arcane, which is just blowing up on Netflix as, as we're, we're talking. I think it's, it's still surpassing a lot of records. So let's talk to her because I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to give anything away. She's awesome. She's super fun. She's just, I don't know. I, I, I really consider her to be one of like the coolest people I've ever met in my life and just a really awesome friend. Uh, and as I introduce her, I had a brain fart pronouncing her last name. But that happens to the best of us, right? Let, let's, let's, let's own up to it. Let's own up to our mistake. So you will see me try to pronounce her last name. But in hindsight... It's super easy to say, and I'm a complete dork. So, without further ado, let's talk to Madison True. Miss Madison True. How do you say your last name? True. True? Okay. Yeah, I knew that. Just test, make sure you knew it. Uh, <laughs> it is 8.30 on a Wednesday morning, the week before Christmas. How are you doing with uh, the holidays, with work? Are you gearing up for some time off? Oh, I'm so ready for time off. My company is off for two weeks and I'm like, thank God I need it. Oh, seriously. Uh, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to do anything fun? Going to Paris. If we can get in, all the uh, guidelines are changing last minute. So I'm like, please don't let this get canceled. Oh, shoot. I'm crossing fingers for you. Cause I, I don't think I've never been to, to Paris. Have you been before? I went once for work. Mm -hmm. For work quotations. Yeah. It was actually pretty <laughs> awesome. It was, um, it was back in my nannying days. So they were like, here's a bunch of money. Take the kids. Go do what you want. I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, obviously, nannying is something that, you know, led to your your current career with all these connections that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. But if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners who you are and what you do. My name is Madison True. 
As previously mentioned, uh, I am currently a digital producer, which kind of means a lot of things depending on which company I'm working for at the time. <laughs> but right now, I actually just made the move. I worked on Jeopardy for the last five years, left them and went to Fox briefly. And then I just left Fox and I went to um, Riot Games, made the switch over to video games, but I've been working on Arcane, which is our show that just came out on Netflix, doing some like marketing for them and like just producing like digital content for social media and whatnot. So that's currently what I'm doing. So you, I mean, your, your day is literally just filled with how do we get this to-do list done in the next like six hours and then a whole new one. Exactly. Holy shit (laughs) but it's it's such a like a like a vast position that you have because we've talked about a little bit off the podcast about like what you do uh, at least for the position you have now and I guess I want to know like how did you sort of get into you know the gaming part of it you know having worked on Jeopardy and worked for Fox like what led to you pivoting and going into video games so well, I actually, Jeopardy kind of made the big change for me in terms of going into like digital producing and kind of more on the marketing side of things because um, I had been working, I'd gone from show to show, every type of PA you could be, post, writer's PA, writer's assistant, line producer's assistant, like I'd done it all, but I was so tired of shows getting canceled or pilots not getting picked up. And then it's like, you're driving Uber, trying to get your next gig. And a friend of mine was working on Jeopardy and was like, you know, we need somebody on the marketing team. And I was like, yeah, this isn't really what I want to do, but I really like the idea of a weekly paycheck. So yeah, let's go for it. (laughs) The friend who uh, taught me everything I knew about producing on Jeopardy ended up eventually making the transition uh, she got into music for a while and then she's actually the one who went over to Riot and she convinced me recently to make the change and I was like, I don't know, it feels like such a departure from what I've been doing. So then when I did get there and it was like, I got to work on Arcane and be like, okay, I'm still like working on shows and stuff. Like, thank God, because I was, I was a little nervous about getting into gaming out of being in the industry for the last 11 years. Yeah, I mean, 11 years uh, from now to back then, everything in gaming seems to have I'm not about I don't know about you last time I seriously played video games was I don't know like when Force Unleashed was a thing you know like uh-huh. in 2007 2008 so I mean it seems like video games are becoming way more prevalent now compared to like film and tv as far as the retention of their fans uh-huh. and people just buying DLC well it's funny because like when I made the choice to move over to Riot, like my girlfriend knew I was having like a really hard time with it. And she was reading some articles and was like, oh, gaming has actually is now the biggest entertainment industry in the world. And like had all these like numbers for me to make me feel better. <laughs> uh, but it's like funny because like at Riot, uh, all of our games, the storylines are interwoven between all of our games, which is how they were able to produce our show on Netflix, Arcane. Like the storytelling in it is like so incredible like I've never worked with such impressive writers and artists before in my life and so it was like a very shocking unexpected change and it's awesome because it's still like extremely creative so much storytelling and it's just like super super awesome and it's winning so many awards right or at least like it's taken over Netflix yeah we uh have a hundred percent score on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) and yeah that's pretty awesome and then um 
I just was in a work meeting yesterday and they gave us all the numbers on it. And it was like, more people have watched Arcane than live in the country of France. And uh, it debuted, it was the number one debut on Netflix. It beat out Squid Games. What? And that's, I mean, I, I haven't, have you watched Squid Games? I haven't watched it at all. I haven't. I was like, I don't, I don't need to feel super another dystopian you know just like run-in-the-mill kind of survival show yeah no. that's like, there's people at the you know the the brewery i work at who are talking about arcane constantly yeah and, you know their friends getting into it and they, they decided to give it a chance and now they're hooked and it's it's just it's it's a huge thing right now and it obviously you know you're a part of that so how does it feel to be like a part of this amazing project Do you feel yourself kind of locked into the video game industry now uh I, or is it you know i do definitely because riot their model for like the next 10 years like they are like very huge i'm like this is what we're doing over the next three years like they have very specific moves planned out and there's just so much opportunity there like they definitely want to grow globally and not just be video games but get more into like film and television so like that is like and they're so big on moving people around within the company who like, like my second week doing it just like one-on-ones with like all the people I'd be working with, like the big, big boss of my team. He's like, oh, you like writing? Oh, let's here. I'm setting up some meetings for you and like set up meetings with me for all the writers. So I could do like some story writing stuff if I wanted to with like some of the things we're producing. So Riot literally has the potential to be like lifelong career for me because there's just so much opportunity there. Which is, it's weird to say, or to even think of the idea of like a stable position in this type of industry, you know, it sounds like that's something you can, I don't, I don't think climbing the ladder is the way I would put it, but you know, you're, you're expanding your, your talents and you're still like honing in that passion. I mean, you've, you've obviously always loved the arts, right? Like where, when did that really start for you when you realized, oh, I wanted to be, you know, a part of this my whole life like I was like <laughs> a kid and I was like loved putting on a show and loved being a center of attention still do uh and so I was like I'm gonna be an actor and I was like in drama club and all the school plays and stuff but then um when I got to college I was like ah like I really writing was more of my passion so I didn't really want to like follow like the acting path anyway anymore and so I um went to film school at Montana State for like my first two years of college they had a great program highly recommend it just don't drink too much like I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah so I like went to film school and that's when I was really like I'd always had a passion for writing too like I'd be like 10 years old and be like cutting out pictures of people in my magazines to like make my cast for my movies that I was writing like the first script I ever wrote was a horror movie with uh Beyonce I'd cast her as my killer <laughs> that's how like that that was just always my whole life that was my drive and then after college I had always planned I was going to move to LA got a little scared to go to LA alone and a couple of my friends were all moving to New York so I was like oh I could do this in New York I'll I'll just do New York instead and um on my flight to New York I ended up sitting next to a professional screenwriter like by pure chance learned more from him in that flight than I had learned in any class I'd taken ever and he was like, you know, like, if, he's like, yeah, you can do this in New York. But he's like, if you really want to do this, like, you need to be in LA. Like, that's where you're going to meet people. That's how you're going to get your ends. Like, that's where you need to be. And so I literally landed in New York, 
knowing I was going to be moving to LA and I just like blew through way too much money for three months had a blast in New York went to a million shows on Broadway and I was like all right I'm out of money I'm going to LA <laughs> oh my God. So did you have any any sort of <laughs> actually I should I should back that up did you have any money left once you got to LA or were you just scrounging for a job my dad who you know he uh you work for him at the brewery he was <laughs> fucking pissed when I got to LA I was like dad I can't get an apartment I ran out of money <laughs> he was not happy but he still took care of me and helped me uh, get set up there and I just got very lucky because I was there for three weeks before I found my first apartment I like stayed on a friend's ex-boyfriend's couch I feel like that's how everyone starts in LA like you just gotta crash on someone's couch for a minute and then found an apartment pops helped set me up thankfully and the day I was moving into my apartment, I introduced myself to my next door neighbor and was like, oh, yeah, I just graduated a few months ago, nannied all through college. And she was like, oh, my friend from church is a nanny and they're looking for a second nanny. Do you want me to give her your information? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I showed up the next day for an interview, having no idea what I was getting myself into. And it was to be Kamora Lee Simmons and Jaiman Hansu's nanny. And that was like, OK, so like I started off right away. My dog's shaking. Somewhat, I call it industry adjacent. <laughs> it's the most LA story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's how they all go too. They're like everybody's stories are ridiculous. Unless you went to NYU, that's like the direct path I've noticed in LA. Is like everyone who went to NYU then moves to LA and like immediately has a job, and it's so frustrating. <laughs> Which is bonkers, crazy, and I'm sure they have you know so much money in in debt <laughs> from going to NYU. <laughs> well, oh yeah. That's it's hilarious because my friend Nicole's been out in LA for I think maybe five months now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, she just picked up her first apartment and she's had the same sort of like interactions with people. She, well, she'll text me at a at a cafe, who's this actress? And I have to, you know, be the the ear, but oh yeah, this is what she's been in. Da, 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 da. And now they're, you know, that now they're friends. Um that just blows my mind because we obviously, you know, we're living in Colorado where that kind of stuff never happens. Uh and you know, if oh. it does, oh. My friend was telling me when she was working at um, Corner Bar up in Boulder. Oh, yeah. Charlotte Johansson came in because she was staying at the Hotel Boulder or Boulder Rod. I don't remember what that hotel is called. But she was like, yeah, nicest ass I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> also, Jessica Beale's there all the time because she's from Boulder. I've ran into her a million places. Oh, seriously? Yeah, she's like always at the West End Tavern. All right. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> First, <laughs> just to start passing out podcast business cards. Like, hey, you know, if you see Scarlett or, or Jessica over here, just have them call me. Uh, wow. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> being a massive fan of ScarJo. <laughs> that's just, that's so cool though, that you, you know, you essentially went to LA with nothing, uh, you know, figure everything out, got, got things set up, just started talking to people and that's how you sort of got your in. So where did you sort of find your new spot? You know, obviously you, you were nannying for a very successful uh, couple, but how did you become involved with, uh, you know, like PA work and that sort of stuff in LA from there? Yeah. So, um, more on Dryman, the job was a bit intense, just you know, you're basically working every single day. And when you're not working, you're on call. So I was like, this is, I can't live like this. So I made it about a year and was like, I need a different gig. And I ended up getting a nannying job for one of the producers on the office. And um, 
<clears throat> she lived across the street from um, a television writer. Oh, he, he wrote a couple of films too. Like he wrote like Kung Fu Panda and he and his writing partner wrote um, Sleep or Cell. And uh, so I ended up one day like, was like, hey, can I just like take you to Starbucks and like buy you a coffee and just like pick your like writings what I want to do. And he begrudgingly was like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So we, a couple days later, went down to Starbucks and he's like, kind of like half in, half out, like doing the whole whatever thing. And he's like, well, what are you working on? And I said, I actually have this script vaudeville that I've been working on for a couple of years now. And like started telling him all about it. And he just like perked up and he was like, that's actually that's actually really, really interesting and ended up inviting me over to his house, like met his wife and kids and kind of was like going through the story with me and like trying to help me like fix spots of it a little bit and whatnot. And he was like, well, hey, I just got a show picked up and we are currently in the hiring process. Do you want to come interview this week? And I was like, yeah, I do. So went in for my interview and they just, he and his partner just asked me about vaudeville the whole time. And then <laughs> called me the next day and they're like, we want you to be our writer's PA. And I was like, Fuck yes. <laughs> My boss was super pissed because I was like a great nanny and suddenly I was like leaving to go be an assistant. But she um so then it was funny because I ended up going and working for them. And then when that show did not do great, it was not the greatest show ever. She called me up and was like, Hey, I'm working, I'm doing a pilot for Kevin Williamson, which was like, I'm obsessed with Scream. So I was like dying. And she's like, Do you want to be my assistant? She was the line producer on it. And I was like, fuck yes I do so I ended up going with her and working on Stalker and then it was just kind of from there I started meeting enough people through like the writers I'd worked with on Legends to like people I'd worked with on Stalker and that's just how it kept rolling into jobs but the problem was like you know from Stalker I think I went and worked on a pilot um, that did not get picked up and then it was like I went and worked on a show called Houdini and Doyle and I think it got canceled after like three episodes and it was like uh. driving an Uber that had its perks. I actually met the one time I came really close to selling the script was from driving a producer that I met on an Uber drive. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of one thing just led to the next. You, I, I got, sorry, I got to go back. Cause you, you've worked on a couple of like really fun shows and legends. Is that the one with Sean Bean? It is. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember I was so nervous because like this was like my first time like working with celebrities like you see them around and I'd got like I'd gotten kind of out of the starstruck phase just because with Kimora and Jaiman I like met so many people but I ugh, I loved Varsity Blues and that whipped cream bikini so the first time Ali Larder came into the office my palms were like sweating and I'm like we'll be normal be normal <laughs> I, I don't know I don't, have you seen have you are you a fan of New Girl I've seen some of it. I have lots of stories about it because my friends worked on it, but I don't, I'm not only really a sitcom girl. That's fair. That's fair. I just, I, I imagined you seeing Ali Lardrick. There's a, a character, New Girl, that just, I think it's a cut scene. He's sitting down with his, I don't know, two weekend girlfriend. And without a moment's hesitation, he starts blurting out, I love you. <laughs> yeah, that's basically me. That's, yeah, I was fangirling hard. It was really embarrassing. But the most embarrassing fangirl, oh my God, I don't even know how this happened to me. Uh -oh. was 
filming a pilot on Paramount, and that was where one of the like NCSI shows was filming. The one with um, I don't even remember. Maybe it's not NCSI. Maybe it's another one. But whichever one had LL Cool J and uh, oh, Chris and Chris Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like walking to the quad for lunch or whatever, or to the commissary, and LL Cool J like starts walking past me, and I just like lost my shit. Like of all the people to lose your shit over. I fucking like fell apart and he just thought it was hilarious. He was like, come here, girl, you want a hug? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I always pictured him as being a a nice guy. Chris O'Donnell, I don't know. There's always something about him that, you know, seemed kind of standoffish. It's funny. I feel like I've learned like the people who are like the really, really successful ones are all like, super awesome, super professional, like wonderful to work with. And then the people who are like B-list, C-list, but think they're all that, they're like the pains in the ass. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those locally. <laughs> I guess yeah. not a lot, but you know, we have our our, our pick of the litter out here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that, so LL Cool J was like the person you, you, you that's the only time you've really lost your shit. Yeah, that was like the one time I was like so starstruck. I was like shaking, like almost tearing up. And then literally two days later, I was at a sound mixing session at a totally different location. And he comes in, it makes sense because I guess Paramount all does their sound at the same place. So he comes in to record voiceover for the show and sees me again and just starts cracking up again and gives me another hug. Is is it like not cool to do... um, I don't want to say like selfies, but you know how, cause I've met some crew that worked in LA where they had like photo albums of, of, you know, celebrities they've taken pictures with, so they've worked with. Do you have one of those uh, at your house or? I don't because my first job was Kimura and Jaiman and I like, because they were always introducing me to people. They're like, you just have to like be cool and you can't like be like, they're like, Angelina Jolie is coming over. Unfortunately, she did not because I would have died. She's my number one. But they were Holy like, shit. Okay. They were like, we are not going to let you meet her if you can't keep your shit together because they knew I was obsessed. Um, she's actually their kid's godmother. But uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. But like, because that was my first gig, I had to like really learn like, don't be a fan, be professional with everyone you meet, like just get used to being around people. Uh, I do have, however, I saved every single one of my paparazzi photos <laughs> from like being out in public with them. <laughs> Just sitting at a Starbucks. The, the best one, I'll have to send it to you after this. Uh, we went to the Grove on Halloween and she needed me to wear a costume. So I was in a big ass green Teletubby costume, like trick-or-treating at the Grove. And so there's a picture with all of us and I just look so fucking pissed. And it's like my favorite photo ever. Cause I was actually like, I loved it when the paparazzi was out, but I was like, don't look like you're enjoying this. Look serious. So in every single paparazzi photo of me ever, I'm making the bitchiest face. <laughs> I never so, noticed that that happens a lot I mean there's some celebrities that will just like mess with paparazzi but I never noticed like they're literally like looking down sunglasses on like yeah. well it's like I mean so many of them I'm not gonna say my boss did yes she did uh would be like tip people off up to where they were going so that paparazzi would show up and then you'd be like staying relevant and like uh, present uh, at the time or whatever you know it's like pre-social media tactics exactly have you ever been to Sundance uh yeah lots of times I was actually just talking about that last night and I want to start going I used to go every year because when I went to Montana State it was like 
not too bad of a drive. I guess it's actually about the same from here. So I used to go every year. Oh, you, so you're going to go this year? Well, Probably depending not on. Year, but I think next year I'm going to start okay. to do it every year again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I don't even know why Essex. Of course you've been to Sundance. It's just like, that's the closest I've been to, to LA. There's a, a coffee shop called, um, crap, I, I bought a mug from, it's like Artemis or something like that. That's, mm-hmm on the south end of main street and every single celebrity goes there so you walk in at you know nine in the morning you're getting your coffee and freaking ethan hawk is right there carrie washington is waiting for her latte and you're literally just you're trying not to piss your pants with just complete excitement it's so so fun (laughs) (laughs) i like excited about like spottings yeah yeah so it's like a little tingle sensation right (laughs) you're like oh that's cool when anybody goes to LA and they're like where do I see celebrities I'm like seriously not kidding go to Whole Foods you will always see celebrities at Whole Foods always really oh yeah is Trader Joe's a thing out there is that or is it all oh, like Whole Foods? Yeah. okay Trader Joe's is <clears throat> I have never seen a celebrity at Trader Joe's though that I can think of but every time I've gone to Whole Foods I've seen somebody that is awesome I I'm planning on going out there in the spring so I'll have to just go to different Whole Foods <laughs> I'm going in February. I'm very excited. Are you going to go catch up with uh, with friends and? Yeah, going for a little birthday trip. Going to see some my old friends and like I just want to take Chloe to a bunch of spots and show her like all my favorite restaurants. Really, like all I care about is food. (laughs) (laughs) As you should be. I mean, everyone goes for celebrities and all this other like movie making stuff. I heard the restaurants are great out there. The best part of LA is like you can get amazing food. 24 7 like that was the hardest part of moving back to Denver is being like oh I want sushi at four o'clock in the morning and I can't have it <laughs> we're a very conservative <laughs> state time-wise like <laughs> when I was working at the brewery a couple years ago like yeah. I don't know if you knew this I came back when Dale opened the brewery I came back for like six months to help him with it and I was like this fucking blows I'm getting out of the brewery at like 10 and I can't even get McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> made it real easy to go back to LA real fast oh yeah it, well I mean it's easier if you I guess if you live in the heart of downtown in the like 24-hour pizza places or diners but even then it's not it's nowhere near I'm sure the quality of the food that is in LA or like New York it's insane yeah. would you ever like move back to LA or are you you're pretty content being away I, I mean I love LA like I thought LA was the love of my life and I was never going to leave and then was hanging out here during COVID and and then actually met the love of my life and didn't leave Colorado (laughs) instead. Um, But yeah, I do love LA. Like it's, I mean, I I don't know if I'll ever live there again, but I would love to like make sure I go back several times a year. Like it's my favorite place. That's good to know. I I don't know. You see it in in cinema and and TV and all you see is like, the grungier aspect of it unless you have a lot of money so I'm very intrigued to go out there and and really check it out it is grungy for sure but there's just something like I get that it's not for everybody but if you are somebody who just like loves film and television and the entertainment industry like it is magic there is just like this undescribable feeling it's you're not going to get it anywhere else when you're sitting in a city full of dreamers who are all chasing the same thing and everyone you meet is like striving and has the same goal as you and there's just nothing like it anywhere else it's incredible how come you're not living in LA yet that surprises me yeah I I had the thought a few years ago and 
I, I think honestly, I'm going to chop it up to, to waiting for at least before COVID because it was, you know, getting into to, to movies and acting and like, you know, you get your quote unquote big break. You know, I did Wind River for one scene and then suddenly everybody at Sunday. <laughs> what? MDB you the other day. And when I saw that, I was like, dying. I was like, because I was just telling Chloe about that movie because I, I hadn't seen it until March. And then I was like, oh, this is great. And I watched it like three times. And we just started watching Yellowstone. So I brought up Wind River because like, do you watch Yellowstone? Uh, I've seen the first season. Well, two of the characters from Wind River are in it. And I was like, oh, it's interesting <laughs> that this is their dynamic. They're like father and daughter in Wind River. And uh, so I'd been telling her we got to watch it. And then I IMDb'd you. And I was like, no shit. And like, was looking at the pictures. And I was like, I remember you in that. <laughs> it was awesome. Honestly, that that is the reason why I didn't move to LA. I The movie came out. I, I went to the Sundance Rap Party. I met all of my like favorite people. Uh, Michael Pena is just the coolest guy ever. I love him so much. Um, I love that you say that because I heard that he was a dick and I was so bummed out because I love him. Seriously? Yeah. So you just redeemed him for me. I mean, yeah, I did. I did meet him when he was drunk. So that could be another thing. But I mean, I wanted to, you know, we were at a rap party. So I took a picture with him and uh, it was super dark. So he said, no, 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 bro, let's go over here in the light. Like, let's take another one. And I have the weirdest goddamn face uh, imaginable. So I'll have to send it to you. But yeah, I never went out to, to LA because after Wind River, you know, with Yellowstone coming out, I had connections at Utah Film Studios and just kind of like working to get into that part. So I wanted to work for that studio. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had heard Yellowstone moved to Montana right before COVID hit. So after that happened, it, it just became like a, well, shit, should I stay in Denver? Should I go to LA? So that's why like this next year, you know, I'm turning 30 and I'm, I'm like, I, I just have to go do something. Truthfully, <laughs> you should go to LA right now while it's COVID because I, like the rent prices dropped to like what they were 12 years ago when I moved to LA. Seriously? It's the most affordable time. Yeah. That's like, so what is it like compared to Denver though? It's Okay moving to LA was like a very hard adjustment I tell everybody it takes two to three years to like learn to love it because it's not easy it's it takes a while to make good friends I recommend making the people making friends with people who've been there a little bit longer because you know like they're like a little more real like somebody who can like stay themselves and stay grounded in that city is a really cool person you meet some really incredible amazing people but you also meet a lot of bullshit constantly yeah it was like it took me it's always fun there's always fun things to do but it it's hard when you're not in a stable career with stable friends like those were really hard things and once those are built like that it's just like the most magical place in the world it's just a gigantic wonderland <laughs> but see you already have a good setup because if you move there right now <clears throat> I have a million people I can introduce you to, a million friends I can make you. Like I've done the groundwork for you. So <laughs> you're gotta- <laughs> telling me that at the bar and I was like, son of a bitch. Okay, now I have to go to LA and <laughs> meet all these well, people. That like sucks about moving back when I did because it's like, you know, I've been there for a little over 10 years and like all of my like writer friends are like just now like getting their big breaks and like selling shows and like staffing up on decent shows and stuff and not like, all the like PA that we've done for years and years, like it's all paying off. And that's right when I'm like, all right, deuces LA. Right, yeah, I'm out. 
but I mean, you found you found another uh, another like spot in the industry that's, I'd say, even more successful because, like you'd mentioned, all the, sh- the shows that fall out every single year, and it's just, it's yeah, bonkers. What about your writing? Because I know we we talked about that a little bit, but are you still are you still writing a little bit? I am still writing. I have found that it is definitely harder to like stay inspired here, just because you know when you're working on a show and you're around people doing it every day, it's so easy to feel creative and feel inspired. Here, it's been a little bit harder to motivate myself, but I actually, going back to vaudeville, which I've been working on for like 10 plus years now, um, I have rewritten that script a million times and it's just like, it's too much. There's too much in this story. So currently we're actually working on making it a novel instead. So that's my current writing project. No way. Are you, is that uh, kind of in the, in the prep stages? Have you finished a couple chapters? It's in the... uh, it's been outlined a million times in the like I've written two pages space. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're still working on it. You know, it's not a blank page. Yeah. I used to be like so good. Like I had this rule that every morning I wrote two pages before I went to work. I need to get back into that. Cause I was like just shocking shit out when I was doing that. I was dying yesterday. I read this, um, what is it? Phoebe Whaler bridges, Waller bridges. Yeah. You had this quote that I read yesterday that was like, being a successful screenwriter is 10%. I don't remember the percentages. This isn't an exact quote, but it was like 10% having skill, 90% not getting distracted by the internet. I just shared that on my Instagram too. I thought that was where I read it then. <laughs> well, it's like you have to you have to turn your computer on airplane mode or shut off the Wi-Fi and just focus in because the second you read a BuzzFeed or variety article, your day's done. Yep. <laughs> I used to have this like app that I downloaded on my computer that like cut off access to everything except for like certain apps that you uh selected for like you set the time and so it'd be like okay you can only access like final cut or oh man I don't cut's not even a thing anymore is it or like final draft you know oh yeah, and yeah. <laughs> set the timer but then I realized that all you have to do is restart your computer and it cuts off so I was like oh well that's that's worthless <laughs> it's like being a junkie you're gonna figure out how to make it work Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to like, I, I don't want to spoil the the gist of um, you know what vaudeville is, but what sort of genre is the story? Um, so I actually started it in college. I was in a musical class, mm-hmm. and I was reading Water for Elephants at the time, and it hadn't come out as a movie. But I was like, oh, this would make like a great movie. I've always loved things that are like magical surrealism but not like straight on magic but like more like created by the environment you're in and whatever and so I was like I, obviously there's no way and I have nobody I'm never going to get to write the script for Water for Elephants but this musical class we were learning about vaudeville and I was like you could kind of do something very similar telling like this story about vaudeville so like the loose do you know do you know what vaudeville is oh yeah absolutely yeah. okay so like the loose story is like the kid ends up on the vaudeville circuit like kind of towards the end of it during prohibition and they're using the show to move booze from city to city oh i love that that's the basic start yeah that no wonder why they <laughs> you're sitting down there they just want to talk about vaudeville the entire time you're there yeah 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 because it's it was- it's a, a like a, a very just like strong foundation that you could build off of like all these different branches and and that's why i started making wow. it 
a, a book instead because like <clears throat> I wanted to do because Bob Builder was responsible for moving jazz from New Orleans like to all the other cities and like there's just like so many different directions to go with it and it just became too big so I was like all right making this a book let's go <laughs> I would love to read the script and or the book whenever you're ready well, I have a script awesome. that you can read anytime you want oh yeah I I'm in the middle of uh pre-production for the second season of a web series and I need something else to read <laughs> I need something else when we swap books I'll give you a copy of Audible too yes yeah I uh <laughs> those of you who are listening um I was working and I had no idea that she was taking a yoga class while I was working which is in the brewery that I work at on um I think it's like one Saturday a month <laughs> and we've been talking about swapping books for I don't know two months yep <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which the have you ever met judy greer i have not okay but she is in everything yeah she's fantastic yeah she, wait did you see halloween kills yet i did did you like it not really i didn't either i i don't know i i have very mixed feelings about it and i'm hoping the third one redeems itself but I always yeah. find it's weird when there's a middle film and they are they already say like oh it's a trilogy mm -hmm. yeah but when you say that it seems like you ignore the middle one a lot yeah uh, but obviously you you enjoy horror movies though right love horror movies I as soon as the new scream comes out I'm booking like a private theater you are invited I'm Hell being yes. like you can only bring 10 people and I'm like opening night January 14th scream i'm there but i'm so pissed that they called it scream and not scream five if it's yeah. a continuation and not a reboot what is that i honestly that is the one part that makes me hesitate um as far as like building my expectations i know it's going to be great because the writers are amazing and obviously they're messing with us in the marketing like it's very clear they're messing with you but yeah like i don't know why why it's just it's very confusing for those of us who are have been fans for ever the problem is <clears throat> i think well they could have even done something cheesy and dumb and made like the s like a backwards five or whatever and i would have been like that's stupid but okay i accept it but the thing that killed me like imdb i have what i think is a very strong theory already about who the killer is oh. i reading names on imdb who do you think the killer is you want to know? It might be a spoiler. I'm pretty good at these things. I I mean, I, I just want to see if you're you're right. Because I don't know when I watch it, I'm going to text you and say you are right. a genius and I hate you. So there's siblings <laughs> on it. And I can't remember their first names, but their last name is Meeks Mills. So they're related to Randy somehow. Uh, so I think like they're maybe his sister's kids. And I think it's the brother-sister duo who are the killers. Because you see him like Ghostface going after him in the trailer. And I think that's a red herring because Ghostface always goes after one of the killers. So I think yeah. that's, that's my theory. Oh, I like that theory. I like that a lot. Yeah, because he, I don't know if you follow Jamie Kennedy's YouTube channel. I mean, he's he's got a lot of crazy stuff on there, but he uh last year started doing a series called how i got cast where he talks about scream and i saw that yeah it's have you have you watched it that that one specific episode and i can't remember why but i literally recently saw that maybe someone because i'm such a scream junkie was like you yeah. should watch this but yeah 
it's the, I mean, the story is great. I have his book if you ever want it. Cause his book is fantastic about like going to LA with nothing and, and really doing a bunch of stuff with it. But uh, yeah, he mentioned scream and I thought like, is there some way he's like involved in it or, you know, like there's voiceover. I don't know, but I, I love that theory so much. It, the original oh third movie, it was supposed to be that Stu actually survived, like the TV dropped on his head and he yeah. was killers you know and I'm like that'd be kind of fun if they like brought that concept back now and like threw Matthew Lillard in there somehow I would yeah, love that. there's there's a myriad of blog posts online saying there's no way Stu died from that his face is all screwed up for sure but because mm-hmm. that was the uh, the uh sort of like approach to the following right when they did that tv show oh you know I never watched the tv show you never I did I watched the pilot episode and I just like didn't get into it and I felt like it bastardized the film. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely the pilot episode is a little rough, but knowing that that's what Williamson wanted to do with Stu and Scream 3, watching <laughs> the first season is awesome because it's it's frightening. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back to it. Yeah, you have to 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 give it a look, but um that's so awesome that you're a scream junkie is I'm, I'm finding more and more as the years go on and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, what about, you know, you, you obviously wrote, <laughs> you wrote a horror movie where Beyonce is the killer when yeah. you were super duper young. Are you or not, are you working, but do you have any horror stories that you'd want to tell in like a, a feature or a TV show that you'd like to work on? I <clears throat> want to write a script about, this I'm gonna steal it from my girlfriend she grew up in Boulder in this like old ass house and like some bad shit was going on in this house before they moved into it like what became her dad's office like all the walls were padded and the lock was on the outside so somebody was clearly getting locked in there and she was living in the basement and a couple times a week would have this lucid dream where the water was running in her bathroom and the blow dryer was on and she'd tell herself not to drop it in but she'd do it every time and get electrocuted and then she'd wake up and there would be a girl in her room and she's <laughs> this like a couple times a week and I'm like I want to make that a movie that is fucking creepy oh and you could you could totally make that here oh yeah for sure like, independent circuit there's so many skilled crews here oh god I got like goosebumps just thinking about that oh yeah it's a creepy story when she gives you all the details, it's like, holy shit. I'm going to have to pick her brain about that because oh, yeah. everyone says, you know, like, oh, yeah, the East Coast, bunch of old houses, super haunted. Have you been around like Boulder or Denver? You oh, know, yeah. those old houses. Crazy history here. <laughs> so that, that actually leads me to a, a really fun question. I haven't asked a whole lot of people this on the podcast, but um, as far as like the the existence of, you know, like, ghosts and supernatural activity when you've worked on sets and especially like the paramount lot and all these older places in in la have you ever had like a supernatural experience i haven't but i will tell you there is nothing creepier than when you have to like cross through a sound stage to go from one office to another and all the lights are off it is the scariest like i hate it like you like have your like little phone light on and it's just so creepy. Like there's literally nothing that's giving me bigger chills than walking through a soundstage when the lights are off. Because essentially you're just in a very large warehouse with a set, right? No one else is in it. You're just 
you think no one else is in it you don't really know. <laughs> you've been watching scream three haven't you <laughs> maybe yeah, I'm, I'm prepping for the fourth one i'm ready this one, this one. i mean well we we can we can skip over the third one the third one could be like a a, a fun piece of fan fiction you know the third one i enjoyed for certain reasons like i love parker posey she's incredible the second one was my least favorite really yeah i feel like it was just way more of a formula and it wasn't it just didn't do it for me i could see that i could see as far as uh and there was like no humor in it like it lost the humor that all the other ones had yeah that is true and there's a lot of you know some forced moments in there that's interesting though because usually everyone says you know like one two four three or you know like that's that's int- i like that so you like the fourth one more than the second one, one four three two for me what because do you like four it was so ridiculous but <laughs> are we doing spoilers on this oh uh, guys if you haven't seen any of the scream movies four has been out for 10 years now like spoiler yeah. alert but you should probably have seen it by now <laughs> Although the new one's coming out, so maybe I'll just be careful what I say. Um, just Emma Robert in it, fucking ridiculous. I was like, this is so dumb, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks of yeah, exactly. I didn't really notice it in theaters when I when I saw it for the first time. I was just on a high, like it's Scream Four. Then you mm-hmm. watch it again. I watched it with my girlfriend uh, a few months ago. Yeah, for Halloween and. Yeah, you're the, the completely bombastic, bad shit, weird. Uh, and it has this like Hallmark movie lifetime glow to it. Yeah. <laughs> Just but, so funky. But the thing I love, one of my most favorite things about going to movies in LA is like you're sitting, you're always sitting in theaters full of like big fans. Yeah. So like big moments, the theater erupts. And when it had the scene where Kirby like turns on the porch lights and then Rory Culkin is sitting out there taped to the chair and it's like a throwback to the first one everyone's just like Wah! like losing it and clapping and it was like I love those moments about going to the movies in LA like you don't get that elsewhere no you don't I, I think the only place I've ever had that happen was at Almo Draft House yeah yeah have you have you been at Almo Draft House here once I was trying to impress Chloe on one of our first dates so I rented a private theater and we went and saw Lost Boys and obviously it worked, right? I mean, you guys are still together. <laughs> Pulling out all the stuff. <laughs> Did you get seats? Oh, I got seats. We got the whole theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're the coolest. <laughs> I just love movies. It was yeah. an easy one to do. And I'd say that's a great pick, you know, for first date. Lost Boys, very fun, campy, 80s horror movie. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that movie. They do this thing um, in LA at uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. They do uh, Senespia. And all summer long, every weekend, they show movies at the cemetery. There's like a big grassy area. You're not like sitting on graves. Uh, <laughs> to the dead. And so everybody just like puts out picnic blankets and like bring your own booze and stuff. And then there's like, I've seen Scream there. I've seen Lost Boys there. Like so many movies. And it's like so fun. And everybody's comes like dressed up in costume like there were a million Casey Beckers at Scream and like it's just like the most fun ever you gotta check one out hey I'd love to because I I've seen uh, a couple movies where they've they've shown that and I always thought it was you know just something a writer made up like oh wouldn't that be cool 
it's they do it it's awesome and then they a lot of times they have like cast members introduce the show like I went to now and then and they had like Demi Moore and like a bunch and like Thor Birch like they were all there holy shit yeah it's real fun I feel like LA is just you know it's like looking at me and <laughs> giving me that come hither look <laughs> yeah it's I mean everything's a production there everything is yeah. magical it's so funny. Even dinner, like you go to dinner and like you're in an insane environment, no matter where you're at. <laughs> What's your oh, favorite restaurant from there? I was just going to bring this up. Yeah. And Frank is my favorite restaurant. I used to go there every Wednesday and first I'd go into the bar and have two dirty martinis. And then I'd go into the dining area and I'd get my steak, black and blue and like, you know, scalloped potatoes and a couple other sides and have a bottle of wine. I got drunk there a lot. Uh, but then they fucking put Musso and Frank in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That scene where Leo's meeting, uh, was that Al Pacino? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the place? Yeah, that's Musso and Frank. And that like re-energized the place. Like now it was like packed nonstop again. And I was like, well, this fucking blows. But it's, you have to check this place out. Like the bartenders have been there forever so you're sitting at the bar and they're telling you stories about like serving like frank sinatra and like they all just have they also wear their original uniforms like holy shit yeah this place is awesome it's on hollywood boulevard so it's kind of in the middle of all the tourist bullshit but it's like incredible food incredible stories like it's just a must hit that that's awesome because uh, when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that was my first thought during that scene was where is this place? Because it looks like an awesome place to go to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, Tarantino essentially, you know, he brought them a lot of business, but ruined this sort of, you know, like cool hole in the wall spot. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, El Coyote, that Mexican place that they go to in it. Um, that place was just like packed again after that. And but that place sucks. Their food is not good. But it's across the street from Quentin Tarantino owns a theater directly across the street from that restaurant. Like it's an older theater and he bought it because it was going out of business. He hasn't updated it. Nothing like everything still costs what it did when it originally opened. And he just shows like midnight showings of all his films. No shit. Have you gone to one of those? I did. I went to a midnight showing of The Hateful Eight, which is a very long movie. (laughs) I was really fucking tired. (laughs) It was fun. But I was exhausted. Yeah, that's like a three and a half hour movie or something like that. Four in the morning. Oh man. I mean, worth it, but at the same time, I hope you weren't working that next day. No, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to go when um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, but I mean you couldn't even get tickets to go there. No, I bet it was sold out so fast. But that movie when they were filming, it was so fun because they like took over so many streets right around my house. So every day on the way to work, I'd be driving like down Fairfax and they were like filming stuff with Margot Robbie and um, Emil Hirsch there. And I was like, ah. and then like they turned Hollywood Boulevard, like they made all the shops like throwback, you know, like there's a scene where Brad Pitt's cruising down Hollywood Boulevard and all the shops have been redone to look like they're in the seventies. And that was like really cool. Cause that was up for a while and it was cool. Holy crap. You didn't run into anybody on production, did you? No, I just, I got to see them filming when I would drive to work every day. That's oh my God. cool. <laughs> see, I'm hoping Colorado, I don't think it'll ever get to that point, but I'm hoping Colorado will have a resurgence in the industry. 
I mean, something two blocks up from me the other day, I was driving to the grocery store and I looked and they had the whole truck unloading everything and they were setting up and I was like, what the hell are they filming here? But I just got like so excited. <laughs> Surprised you didn't do some like in-depth Sherlockian research, just trying to figure out who's shooting in Denver. I should have. If I had had more time, I would have. <laughs> would you be let down if it was a Hallmark movie? About that. I make it a point to not watch any of those. <laughs> My friend works though. He works for the network and like writes some stuff. And I was like, how did you end up writing all that stuff? And he's just like, it's just such an easy paycheck. You just turn them out. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's on my list to sell a script to Hallmark, a really crappy Christmas script. Do it. <laughs> have you, have you written a, a, like a vomit draft just to see if you could sell it? No, I should though. I should try it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Christmas movies so much though, and I like I don't know, I take them so seriously. What's your go-to Christmas movie then? A Christmas story is probably my favorite. Really? That's not that's not like crazy popular with our generation. That's awesome. No, I love that movie so much though. Is it just the uh, does it have like a nostalgia to it? What's what's the link for you? just like think it's hilarious i love yeah i just think it's so funny um which i guess most people don't but i love that little kid and like i just remember like i used to get soap on my tongue when i would say shut up as a kid so <laughs> like gets the bar of soap in his mouth and then he's like having the fantasy about like i'm blind because you gave me soap poisoning i was like yeah mom like you're gonna regret this one day <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I'm never, I've never heard you cuss at all, ever. No, no, no. Can't, can't think of a time. Um, (laughs) I know you're, you're going to head into work here in the next hour or so. So I'm going to wrap up my questions uh, with the the final, like big ones we ask. And the first one being, do you have, uh, especially having lived in LA for about 10 years and uh, met and worked with all these awesome people, do you have a party story? that you would tell somebody every time you go to like a big gathering it doesn't have to be you know like a we say it's usually like a like a, a really awkward interaction or something that was just so unbelievable you couldn't you couldn't fathom that it was actually happening to you uh just something that that is worth noting and carrying for the rest of your life do you have one of those stories I have one that like it just it was the coolest moment in my career and it just cracks me up like the aftermath of it but when I was working on stalker we did in the pilot this big stunt where like Tori DeVito's being chased and she like gets in her car and he throws gasoline all over it and she like puts it in reverse and is rolling backwards down the hill and he like throws matches on it or some shit and she crashes into a pole and like the car explodes. Being on set while we were filming that was just like incredible but it was like this whole like we had a crane and it was like okay we have like one time to capture this like everybody get into place like let's make sure we get this right blah 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 and we get it and we're like yeah the stunt was awesome everything's great someone didn't check something so then the next day they're going through the footage they missed the shot and that's why I don't work on stalker anymore or after the pilot because my boss got fired for that no shit because i i saw that episode i saw so that must have been completely reshot 
yeah, they totally had to redo it, which pushed production because they had to refilm it at the end of the pilot. They had to get the location again. They had to pay, like it was this huge stunt and they had to pay to do it all over again. And so my boss was the line producer and was responsible for not making sure they got that. And like, she was gone. And once she was gone, I was gone. Holy shit. That. (laughs) But being on set that night and with like a big stunt like that, like that was just so, so fun. But it was also like Kevin Williamson was like, my hero because of Scream and I was like so excited to work with him and then I met him and was like oh he's like real bitchy (laughs) I could see that Uh... he's a lot more flamboyant in his queerness than I had expected (laughs) yeah I assume the DVD extras for like Scream and Scream 2 he was very diluted (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah I can I can see that. I mean, yeah, if you've if you've led a generation through, you know, a, a horror uptake, I'd I'd have a bit of an ego about myself too. For sure. It was just so funny though, because I was like, this is the master of horror. And he's like yelling at his assistant about his dog. I was like, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, you've had a career. honestly i think you should write a book <laughs> about your experiences i would definitely read it and i feel like you, you just have all these sort of intersecting occurrences that kind of built up where you are now so with that in mind do you have any sort of advice or points of wisdom that you could instill upon somebody who's either you know like in the arts industry trying to you know keep doing it or somebody who's trying to get into it now do you have anything that might be able to help them out yeah I mean everybody says it but it's true like your resume is not going to get you a single job in Hollywood it is always who you know um so you always just like have you have to be open you have to be social you have to I don't know like people always go to networking things I never did that but you're constantly surrounded by people who have ability to abilities to open doors for you so like being in LA is like step one and then you just got to hang it out like the reason I feel like the success rates are so low there is because it is hard to like hack it the first couple of years and most people just leave after a year or two everybody that I know that has stuck it out this is a long time but everybody I know that's been there 10 years or longer now has like an incredibly successful career every single one which is just another you know another point of pride to say don't don't give up like keep exactly keep trying it I don't know a single person that 10 years later isn't doing exactly what they set out to do it it just takes a long time like that's why it's so hard like yeah some people get really early breaks but like you know you, you get what you think is a break like I got my first show and I thought here goes my career it's starting I'm in a writer's room everybody wants to be a writer's PA like I'm so lucky I'm on this path and then legends tanked and then soccer my boss got fired and you know there's always like something stopping you from having a huge break. But that whole time I met a million people along the way who just helped me out in other ways later. And so you just literally have to stick it out. Like it will happen. You just got to be there. See, and I feel like that that's something that has been coming up a lot on this show and people every single day are saying, I can't do it anymore. I give up. It's too hard. So that, uh, especially somebody who went to LA, you know, worked her butt off came moved to Denver you know during COVID and just you know found this awesome new job you know through hard work and and perseverance that just it I feel like that gives people a lot of hope to 
even if it's not something you're wanting to do right now, doesn't mean it won't lead to something else. Absolutely. You know, that's... Every, every job has led to my next job. I've never applied for a job. Every interview that I've had for the last 10 years since being a nanny was somebody that I worked with before suggested me for something else every single time. That's bonkers crazy. <laughs> it's you gotta get out there, man. Yeah, I yeah, I um I keep telling everybody uh you know when I go out there that I'll I'll go, but I'm ignoring the valley because I don't wanna, you know, be an editor for adult fair. Uh, <laughs> but uh that's that's so cool i i'm glad that i was able to kind of like sit down and hear more about your story because obviously i'd only met you maybe four or five months ago like super recent so it's just awesome hearing your story and uh and the fact that you you've been working on arcane which is doing great which will definitely promote not like it really needs it in this episode Mm -hmm. but uh in addition to that do you have anything that you'd like to promote personally that we can kind of like give a shout out to in this episode just arcane people go watch arcane and i want to be very clear i mentioned earlier that i worked on fox i did not touch fox news making that clear she says that but there's a giant fox news rocks banner behind her don't listen uh, yeah right <laughs> i'm about as liberal as they come yep yep that's why you're the coolest um <laughs> uh, well now it's it's the the sort of like weird sort of spiel time in this podcast where i'll shorten it for the listeners but uh if you like this podcast you can support us on patreon uh something that we have not really utilized in the last year and a half or so because we're both working uh but you know we'll 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 do something for you if that's not an option you should definitely give our podcast a five-star rating on apple uh podcasts and leave us a a little email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and uh, let us know that you left us a five-star review with your address so we can send you an awesome sticker, which, Madison, you're also getting a thank you card and a sticker for being a guest because we really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you are somebody who works in the arts industry or is somebody who's trying to get into it and you'd love to kind of sit down, talk about career ideas, spitball, or just like share your story, please also email us at pwrp.pod.gmail.com. We'll get back to you probably within the day because uh it's the holiday season at least right now and i'm not really working a whole lot (laughs) so uh madison this has been awesome like i'm so glad you're able to come on it's probably the earliest interview i've had uh you know 8 30 in the morning (laughs) but it's been it's been great i'm glad you're able to to you know put aside some time uh you know because we're definitely not paying you unfortunately uh this is really fun all excited now again and it's like this is the stuff that gets your juices going we're like i'm gonna work on stuff again yeah i see you got a dry erase board behind you i got my next to my desk the second we like mapped out don't look at it what what okay (laughs) i saw it i saw a v so i'm on to something um there's a syllable somewhere in there (laughs) yes i want to read vaudeville too um bring you a copy of the script yes uh so more because my computer crashed so thank god i have paper copies <laughs> oh my god yeah save that shit man <laughs> go to go to kinko's and get like a bunch of more copies made oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's only one more thing we do for this episode and that's at every end of the episode i do a silent wayne's world countdown and then our guest and ourselves we have to give the most awkward uh verbal goodbye so it could be anything 
you can think of as far as you know stammering or uh speaking in a weird voice whatever you like to do as long as it's super awkward which is what we love here you ready for that i'm so ready all right i'm gonna do the countdown this was just so nice thank you that was bad (laughs) 